as we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise lord we we love you we thank you for this day holy spirit we thank you that you are here in the midst of us and we look to you our our purpose is to worship you here this morning to be in your presence so lord we just thank you for it receive our praise this morning in jesus name
eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see to see you. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. <clears throat> oh, God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning. I will learn to walk in your ways. Step by step, you lead me. And I will follow you all of my days. Oh God, you are my God. And I will ever praise you.
Yes, I love you. I love you, Jesus. Yes, I love you. Love you, Jesus. Yes, I love you. Love you, Jesus, my King. Your praise to him. Yes, hallelujah. You are my king. Thank you, you Jesus. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit.
the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. It's always good to be in God's presence. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, it's good to see you guys this morning. We're going to have a good time worshiping the Lord. And I know, I know, I know that God is going to speak to each one of you today. That's what he wants to do. We don't have to beg him. We don't have to grovel. When we come and we worship him, we just open ourselves up to him. He Amen. will speak to us. And he will move among us. And he will hear and answer your prayers as we worship him. All that stuff happens in his presence as we worship him. Now, I want to read you a passage of scripture out of Hebrews. <clears throat> I can get this to come up. Here we go. Hebrews 10. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching you know there is coming a day when all this life is over and that day is coming sure as as sure as the sun comes up in the morning, as sure as it sets in the evening, that day is coming. You may, you may pass from this life into that life. It may be that glorious time when the Lord comes back and changes everything all in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But there is a day coming. And it's time for the church to rise up and be the body of Christ. It's time for us to encourage and exhort one another so much more right now because of all the things that are going on in our nation and all the things that are that are happening and God is moving we need to get on board we need to get on board and get ready to let him just pour out his spirit with a great revival that will change everything that's what he wants to do that's what we say we want but it's time for us to enter in enter in the true worship when we come together, this is a time to let God speak to us. It's a time to God, to, for God to refresh us and change us. And so, Lord, that's our prayer this morning. We're not just going to sing songs. We're going to lift our voices to you and honor you. We're not just going to play some music, but we're going to honor you with every note that we strike and every word that we say, Lord. We are worshiping you this morning. We choose to enter in. You made this wonderful new and living way for us to be able to come and enter into your presence. So, Lord, this morning, as we enter, as we come, I know you're going to come and you're going to have your way among us. You're going to speak to each one of us. You're going to touch us at every point of need, Lord. And we thank you for what you're going to do this morning as we worship you and exalt you because you are worthy, Lord, to receive all glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. <clears throat>
just here, not just outside these walls, not just in this state, yes. not just in this nation, yes, right, yes, but in all the world. Hallelujah. All the world. Yes. Proclaim it to God. Yes, Jesus. Make a daily proclamation. Kingdom of God come. Yes, will of God be done. You don't have to question whether that's the will of God, right? You're saying will of God be done will of God be done. Amen. Amen. Yes, just like in heaven. Amen. That's our kingdom. We should be happy. Amen. Full of joy. Why should I fear man? Should I lose heart 
break you are Why should I give up When your plans are full of love In this world we will have trouble But you have overcome the world Yes, hallelujah song again. Why should I fear man when you made the heavens? Why should I be afraid you put the stars in place? Why should I lose heart when I know how great you are? Why should I give up your plans are full of love. In this world we will have trouble. You have overcome the world. That's yes. good news. good news, but you have overcome the world. Sing it to him. God is good. Amen. God is good. 
Yes. Hmm. Some of you aren't convinced. God is good. Amen. No. <laughs> he really is. God Amen. is good. Amen. We're going to sing through this to get our hearts ready for communion this morning. So just prepare yourself for that. To come into your royal courts and dine To share a meal with the king of all creation
there's no higher privilege than to sing a song of love to my I will sing a song of love to my King, and no earthly gains compare to your presence. While I sing a song of love to my King, I will sing a song of love to my King. Hallelujah. Sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy. Hallelujah. Give him your praise this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus.
Take of the Lord's Supper. We have open communion, so if you're not a member of this church, there's no sweat. If you're a believer, participate. It's all we ask that you be a believer. So as we sing this song, I just invite you to come and uh, take the elements and go back to your seat. We'll all partake together here in a few minutes. But as we're singing and worshiping, think about what we just sang. He is the Messiah, the Redeemer. He is Lord of all. Amen. His body and His blood. That's what made this new and living way so that we can enter in. Yes. That's what this is all about. Entering into his presence so that he can speak to us, so that he can touch us and heal us and deliver us. I know we all have struggles. We've all got issues. But man, there is no better time to receive healing or deliverance or victory than when we're partaking of the body and the blood of the Lord. There is power there in the spiritual realm. Things happen. And I just want to encourage you as we partake to expect God to do something miraculous and wonderful for you. Amen? Amen. Let's worship. Come and get the elements. <clears throat> Hallelujah.
think the great cost so that we can enter into God's presence I read that passage at the beginning of the service but it says that Jesus has made a new and living way for us to enter in to the presence of God and it's through the veil you know when he died the veil was torn and in Hebrews it says through the veil that is his flesh it's this this wafer that we partake of symbolizing his flesh, his body that makes the way for us. His blood that makes the way for us to come into his presence. Without that, you know, we'd still, we'd still be outside the veil. We'd still be trying to experience God and we'd be going by all the rules and the regulations. But he's made this new and living way. And it wasn't cheap, folks. God gave everything. He gave his only son and Jesus was willing to give his life for us when we were his enemies. Before we were even his enemies. Before we were even thought of. He said, I know that there's coming a time. There's coming a time in the future when there's going to be a people that will want to know me 
want to be connected to me. They'll want to have a relationship with me. And it's Mitch, and it's Sandy, and it's Terry, and Tracy, and it's Brian, and Carol, and it's Ed, and, and it's, and it's uh, Bonnie. And, and you, you can just put all those names in there. It's the people who have given themselves to him. He made a way for you. Thank you. It cost everything. And he doesn't ask us to pay him back. He just wants us to love him. What a deal. What a deal. So Lord, when you shared this with your, your closest followers, the ones that you were training to, to preach the gospel to the whole world, Lord, you told them that night, he said, you took the bread and you blessed it and you broke it and you told them, take and eat for this is my body. It's broken for you. So Lord, today, all those areas in our lives that are broken or messed up or not exactly aligned with you, whatever the situation might be, Lord, today we lay all those things down before you and we say as we partake of your body, bring healing and health and wholeness to every part of our lives, Lord, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, relationships, uh, work situations, everything, Lord, we lay it before you and we say, heal us, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Your body, the provision you made for us. We break it now and we partake together in Jesus' name. In the same manner, says he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he, he said, drink this. Drink all of it. Don't just take the part you like. Don't just take the part that suits you. But he says, it's all or none. Take all of me. This is my blood. It was shed for you, for your remission of sins. And it is also the blood of the new covenant. This new living way so we can enter in. That's what the blood is all about. It not only covers our sins and takes away our sins and forgives our sins and washes them. But also it breaks the power of sin in our lives. It breaks all that the enemy has tried to do and is doing in us and it, it just puts all that under the blood we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony our testimony is that it is your blood Lord Jesus it is your blood that saves us and changes us and heals us it's your blood that sets us free it's your blood that gives us the power to walk with you and to know you your blood Lord I thank you now as we partake that you're going to bring healing in every part of our lives to the power of your blood. You gave that freely and we receive it freely. Change us now so that we can give your love away freely. In Jesus' name, let's partake. Hallelujah. So Lord, thank you for the power of your blood. I thank you, Lord, that it is never ending. You did it once for all, but we get to celebrate it every time we do. When we celebrate this, we are celebrating your death, your burial, your resurrection, your great victories, Lord. You are victorious over all. Yes. The Father has put all things under your feet, and we rejoice in that, Lord. And I thank you that we are learning to walk that out in this life. There is coming a day 
when all this life will be passed. But right now, Lord, we're walking with you. We're walking in the power of the Spirit. We proclaim your authority and your power in our lives, Lord. And we will hear your voice. We will do your will. And we will be your body, Lord. A force to be reckoned with in this life right now. Shining your light in all this dark world. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Take me past the outer courts and through the holy place, past the brazen altar. Lord, I want to see your face. Pass me by the crowds of people and the priests who sing their praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, but it's only found one place. So take me Lord, I want to see your face. Pass me by the crowds of people and the priests who sing their praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, but it's only found one place. So take me thank you that you have made a way and I thank you Lord that we don't physically have to have a live cold dragged across our mouth but spiritually Lord you make us alive you make us whole you make us changed you, in your presence Lord your power is displayed in and through us as we gather in your name as we worship you Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Lord God, 
We need you this morning, more and more of you. So take the cold, cleanse my lips, here I am. Take me into the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. So take me into the holy of holies. Take the cold, cleanse my lips, here I am. Take the cold, cleanse my lips, here I am. Would you, right where you are today, would you just, in your own way, in your own words, just tell the Lord, here I am. And that's all he asks from us. He just wants us. He wants our heart. Just say, here I am, Lord. I need you. I need you to come and wipe away all the stains of the past. I need you to come and take away the guilt and the shame from all the, the things that I've done, the, my fears, my doubts, my anxiety about tomorrow. Or just, would you just come? Here I am. I have very little offer, but, but I give it all to you, Lord. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. you do that, I'm just going to invite you to just allow him to breathe his life into you. Allow him to speak to you. Let him work in you now as we wait on him for a few minutes. Thank you that you're here this morning. Thank you that you are speaking to us, Lord. You are touching each one of us. I thank you, Lord, that no one needs to go away today empty-handed. No one needs to go away 
like they came in, but we can all be changed in your presence, Lord. It's not just for a select few. It's not just for those who, who are perfect. That rule us all out, Lord. It's for those who acknowledge our great need for you. Those are the ones who receive, Lord. Those who give themselves fully to you without any reservation. And that's what we do this morning, Lord. We say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. I want to know you. I want to know your heart and know your ways. I want to see you as you are. I want to see your heart of love, Lord, and know that heart so that I can be like you. I see you as you are. I'll be changed and be like you. Help me, Lord, to see other people the way you see them. Hear their voice the way you hear them. Look beyond the circumstances on the outside and look into their heart, Lord, and see that it's a every person, the soul that you love so much, you gave everything for them, Lord. Help us to love in that same way, that we would be all about redemption and mercy and grace and compassion, that we would humbly serve and love, because that's what you did, Lord Jesus. You gave everything for us, Lord. You humbled yourself, took on the form of a servant, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, Lord, for the joy that was set before you because you knew it was going to make this new and living way for us, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Seal those words in our heart, Lord. Let us go out of here changed that we would know the depth of your love for us. So we'd know the width of your love for us. We'd know the length of your love for us, Lord. And we'd know the height, Lord, that it reaches. Your love, it reaches to the heavens. And it's stronger than any uh, ocean, stronger than any uh, mountains or sunrise or sunset. Your love goes beyond all that. It is so incredible. We can't even begin to comprehend it. And yet, Lord, you've invited us to learn of you. You've invited us to learn more about your great love. So reveal that to us this morning, Lord. As we know you and walk with you, just fill us with the knowledge of you and your great love for us, Lord. We would never doubt you because we know you love us. We would never hesitate to obey you because we know you love us. We would not be afraid because your perfect love casts out all fear. We'd have soundness in our mind and our thoughts and our processes of the way that we go about our lives every day. We'd be sound in all that <laughs> because of your great love for us, Lord. And we can trust you because of your great love. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Uh, Peggy, you want to share something? I want you to use a microphone. Um, Brian, can you take that microphone to her? Test. Okay. Um, this morning at Bible study, um, I saw a picture, and I wanted to read you a verse before I explain the picture to you. Um, this is Matthew 7, 24 and through 27. 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew to beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So this morning, uh, as we were gathered in Bible study, the few of us, um, I felt like the Lord said, you know, he, I put my hands on the shoulders of those around me, you know, and was like, you know, indicating a circle of us. And the Lord showed me that we were all standing on the cornerstone and he wanted to spread us out. And um, Marcia showed me that um, he was pouring concrete, you know. So this, this, this building is what I saw. He was pouring concrete in here and he was spreading us out across the concrete. He was building the entire building, filling the building with that strength that the cornerstone has as believers in here. And um, I just really wanted to confirm that, you know, the snow and all the things we had gone through, um, we stood the test. We absolutely stood that test. We're on firm ground on the rock and uh, we need to praise God for that. And that's all I have, thank you. Praise the Lord. So, <clears throat> we believe that the Lord speaks to us. And uh, I encourage you, if you feel like the Lord has given you something to share with the, the body, that you be obedient and do that. And uh, at some point in the future, if it gets out of hand, I'll bring you back into order. But uh, until we start having a problem, I say just, you know, if you feel like you want to share something, uh, we'll, we're going to turn you loose. Uh, That's what, uh, that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. He said, you know, when you come together, he said, all of you have something good to bring. And, you know, we're all members of the body. We all have a part to play. And uh, I can testify when one of your body parts is not working properly, you notice it. And, uh, and so the Lord, the Lord wants his body to function properly. And, and part of that is that everybody does their part. We're all fit together. And the, the way Paul says it is that we're jointly fit together and we become one. Each part is fulfilled by different members. And we don't all have the same jobs and the same callings. Some are gifted in some ways. Some are gifted in others. And some, you don't think you've got any gifts, but you do. And you don't think you've got anything to offer, but you do. And God wants you to fill that role that he has for you. And sometimes you don't know about it because you haven't really sought the Lord or asked. You're just doop, 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 going along in everyday life doing what you do. And you're looking around at other people and you're saying, wow, you know, they got these great gifts and these talents. You've got gifts and talents too. No one is without gifts and talents. But we do need to ask the Lord to, to lead us so that we can find our place. Everybody has a spot, 
a place. Everybody has a job. Everybody has something to do. Nothing is more exciting than to watch uh, a group of people, for whatever purpose, all working you know, together. They're all organized. I mean, they are just getting after it. You know, we do this food, this food thing, and uh, when we do that, Man, you got all these people, they're sorting stuff and they're handing stuff out and people are rolling the carts and they're packing the food and they're putting them in the car and everybody's just working, you know, and you got people walking around picking up trash and doing things and no one's having to say, hey, you get over here and do this. I mean, it's just like, I mean, everybody, they know what they're doing once they figure it out and they start doing it. And, uh, and we got a great example of that right here in our body. You know, I mean, Eddie's, Eddie is out with a broken leg. And Brian and Carol stepped up leading worship. And, you know, we, we hadn't even missed a beat. If you were a visitor, you might not even realize that this is not exactly the normal routine. But, but that's wonderful because we've got people that step up and do things. And uh, we, haven't, we haven't even noticed that anything was really different. Except that, you know, it's a different person leading it. But, I mean, the Lord is moving. And it's been wonderful. And so... Uh, Brian and Carol, thank you. And worship team, you guys are doing a great job. Let's give them a hand. I'd like to hear good reports. You know, we've, we are a needy people. Sometimes we don't always tell of our needs, but we've all got needs. And uh, it's good to hear a good report instead of just always focusing on the stuff that, uh, that we struggle with. So when God answers a prayer, it's okay. Come back and tell us about it. You know, if you don't want to say it, write it on something and put it in the box back there or, or send me an email or send Pastor Jeff an email. We like praise reports. It does two things. One, it gives God glory. It also encourages all those folks that pray and intercede, lets them know that God's answering their prayers. That's encouraging. We don't need that to pray, but it's kind of nice to hear about it. Uh, when, you, when you see an answer to a prayer, let us know. That's encouraging. All right, so last week we finished Colossians chapter 1. And before we start in chapter 2, I thought I would kind of do a summary. And that works out just fine this time because next week we've got uh, Living Logos, so we won't be starting in chapter 2, but, uh, but after that we will. So, uh, so what we want to do is... Uh, Hit a few of the, the high points that we've been talking about. By the way, do y'all like these, uh, these little notes or outlines I'm giving you? Good. It's a lot of trouble. I hope you like them. <coughs> it's, it's really not that much trouble. By the way, <coughs> I couldn't help but notice under uh, key words, I got faith down there twice. Faith is really important. No, I, it just, it was a, I, I was trying to copy it, and uh, I guess I didn't pay attention when I was editing. So... Uh, but faith really is important. You need lots of faith. So, so I, I don't know. This, it made sense to me. Key words, main thoughts, and life applications. And so we're not going to... You know, I'm not going to preach every one of those words to you again. We've already done that. But I just want to refresh your memory a little bit. So the, the words uh, grace and peace appear in the very first verse, uh, well, actually it's the first two, but in Paul's greeting, he says, you know, I'm, I'm writing this letter to you guys, and I'm saying grace and peace be to you. And Paul said that quite a lot when he, as an introduction in his letters, grace and peace. So grace, 
it's kind of what makes it all possible. And peace is the result of what happens when you've got grace working in your life. And, you know, I could give you a bunch of scriptures about it. By grace you're saved through faith. It's, it's a free gift of God. It's not of you. It's not works unless you be bragging about it. Grace is God's unmerited favor. It's his goodness that he just pours out on you because he loves us. I talk about that a lot, but while we were still his enemies, God loved us so much that he gave his only son. It wasn't because we were smart or handsome or wealthy or kind or any of those things. It's just because God loves us. God loves everyone. And because he loves us, he poured out his grace. And it's, it's the ability and the desire to do God's will. When you've got God's grace in your life, it gives you the ability to obey God. Without God's grace, you couldn't do that. And when you begin to obey God and you begin to walk according to his plan and purpose for your life, then his peace is poured out on you as well. Now, when we think of peace, most of us probably just think in terms of, well, I don't have any problems right now, so I've got peace in my life. Well, biblically, peace... It's more like your whole entire life and everything about your life and circumstances and you are at harmony with God and everything is good. It's not, it's not the absence of problems. It's in spite of problems. But God's grace allows you to walk in his peace. And those two together, that's why Paul said it that way so many times. He said, grace and peace to you. Because I think Paul understood this by God's grace that we experience God's peace. And that's significant for us to know and remember. If you want everything in your life to be in harmony and work the way it's meant to, the way God created us to function and flow, then we need to be walking in his grace and allowing his peace to keep our hearts and minds. Faith is in uh, verse 4. He talks about that. He said, we're, man, we're praying for you guys ever since I heard about your faith. Ever since I heard about your faith, I've been praying for you. And faith, that's how we access everything in the spiritual realm. That's how we access his grace. That's how we access his peace. That's how we access his love. That's how we access the truth of his word. Every aspect of our spiritual lives, it is reliant upon our faith. And you've you got to be careful because you can go from faith to works real quick because you start, you start trusting in your faith instead of trusting in the Lord. It's faith in your faith instead of faith in the Lord. But it, but it is faith that is the way that we access everything spiritually. Without faith, you're not going to experience anything from God, really. God will, he will call you. You don't have to be a Christian or believe and God will call you. And you can either just ignore it, you know, and we've all been there at some point in our life, probably before you became a believer, you heard God's call, and probably the first time you, you may have said, nah, not so much, I'm busy, I got other things, I got my own plan, I want to do it my way. And then at some point, though, when God keeps calling, he keeps pursuing you, at some point you say, okay, I, I see it, I understand, I need God. I need him in my life because I realize in my own strength, in my own plan and agenda, it's all messed up. But if I walk with the Lord and trust him 
let him do his plan and purpose in my life, it'll be good. It'll be better. And so we choose that by faith. <clears throat> faith is the key to all of our experience with the Lord. And James said, faith without works is dead. So it's not just about <clears throat> believing, but we have to also obey. Faith will create a response in you. If you really believe, you will respond. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, think of it this way. If you were driving down the road and, and you saw a house on fire, you wouldn't say, oh, I'm just imagining that. That house is really on fire. And you'd probably be thinking, there may be somebody inside. And that faith... That reality that a house is on fire, you would probably dial 911, you'd pull your car over and you'd get out and you'd go up and boom, 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 hey, is anybody in there? I mean, you would do something. You would act on that faith. And that's what we do spiritually. When you're convinced that Jesus is the Messiah, the Redeemer, the King of Kings, the name above all names, all those things that we sing, if you're convinced of that, you're going to act on it. It's going to change you because you will see that this is, this is a life-changing event. It's not something that I just believe on Sunday morning. This is my life. This is who I am. It changes you every day. Everything that you think and say and do, your faith moves you to do things. And then our love. Verse 4, Paul said, Ever since I heard about your love for all the saints, I've been praying for you guys. Love it's part of what we access by faith in the spiritual realm. God poured out his love on us. And Paul said in, uh, in Romans, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by faith. Our faith is how we access that love of God. It's shed abroad in our heart. And I like that expression, shed abroad. He didn't just sprinkle a little bit, but he poured his love out on you. And he didn't do that just so we could soak it up like a big blobby sponge. He did it so we could give out his love. He said, this is how the world is going to know that you're my followers, my disciples, if you have love one for another. And he says, if you love one another, you'll do good things for each other. You'll be kind and thoughtful and generous. James said, if someone comes to you and says, I'm hungry or thirsty, don't just say, Oh, be blessed, brother. Go and be warmed and filled. Do something for him for crying out loud. That's what love does. It acts. The love of God was shed abroad. You don't have a shed abroad? The father said, I love you guys so much that I'm going to give my son for you. He didn't just sit back and say, well, I love you, but I hope you make it okay. No. He invested himself fully. And he asked that we do the same thing, that we invest ourselves by love into one another. And that's not just for your friends or your family. We're supposed to love everyone. Even the ones that we don't get along with. <clears throat> Even the ones we don't agree with. Politicians we don't agree with. Philosophers we don't agree with. You know, terrorists and other people that we don't agree with. We're still supposed to love them. You don't have to support their bad actions, but you've got to love them. You might not want to go hang out with them and have lunch. But you ought to love them. That love is not, it is not the love, you know, like, uh, like 
so many of the worldly songs, you know, sing about love. Looking for love and all the wrong, you know. We're, the love of God is, uh, it is beyond a physical attraction. Because I got to say, when the Lord looks at us, he probably is not seeing any great beauty that attracts him to us. He looks at us and he says, those are my creations, my people, and I love them, and I want to be in a relationship with them. The love of God goes beyond all of our emotions. It's, it is a commitment. It's not just a feeling. It is a commitment. We love because he loved us. And you love your, your spouse, you love your children, you love people in your life. And it's not because they behave correctly or because, you know, they, they do all the things you want. You love them because you love them. You, have a, you, you are connected to them and you're committed to them. That's the way God's love is. It, he loves us in that way and he wants us to love other people in that way. <clears throat> hope in verse 5 Paul talked about the hope that we have in Christ the hope that, that is instilled in us as we learn about the good news when we come into this relationship with the Lord we have this hope which uh, in Hebrews it says it's the anchor of our souls it's what holds everything together in our lives. That, and then further down in uh, Colossians 1, Paul talked about it being the hope in you. That's, that's Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's not just hope about life in general or hope that things work out well or, or some optimistic feeling. It is, it is a truth and an a acknowledgement and an assurance in your heart and mind that if you're invested in Jesus... He's invested in you, then you have a hope that secures you. It's not based on whether things go well or don't go well. It is a hope that goes beyond all of life's circumstances, all of your struggles, all of your problems, all of your victories, all of your losses. It doesn't matter. Hope in Christ will carry you through all that and that does not depend upon any of those things to still be a true hope. It is a great expectation that God is going to be and do everything that he said he would be and do in your life. That's why when we sing, we sing these songs about he is the Messiah, the great I am, you know, the lion of the tribe of Judah, all these different names and things that we sing. Each one of those is significant because it tells us something about the character of God, who he is, how he wants to reveal himself in our lives and how God wants to show us what he has provided for us. That's what our hope is supposed to be fixed on. The hope is what carries us through. And when all else fails, and when you're looking at a situation that seems hopeless, then you just get your eyes off of the temporary and you start thinking about the eternal. And then you realize that, hey, I've got a far greater exceedingly weight of glory that's waiting for me. And it goes beyond all the misery of this life, all the struggles of this life, all the frustrations and anxieties and things that I can't fix right now. There's coming a day, baby, when it's going to all be okay. And right now we may struggle, but our hope will carry us through. And we can walk through the trials and tribulations and not be overcome, but we can have hope 
that it's all going to be okay. It's all about seeing the Lord as he is and having our focus and our eyes on him. And then the last key word I want to talk about this morning is power. Now, he talked about it in multiple verses. Verse 11, verse 13, verse 29. Uh, he talked about the fact that, that we have power. He talked about the fact that there is a power in the kingdom of darkness. But he goes right on to say, but it's all been overcome. He goes right on down to say that, that we got this work that's happening in us and it's working mightily in us. But it, and it's the power of God that's working in us. So when we see the greatness of our God, then all the struggles of this life don't seem so big anymore. And we see the authority and the power that he has given to us as his children, then we don't become so fearful and doubtful about struggles and problems that we face in this life. Now when you're going through it, I got to say, when you're going through it, sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. And when you look back after you've gone through it, it's like, well, I made it. It was a miracle. I didn't think I was going to, but I did. And the key for us is to begin to see God more as he is. And then our hope will be fixed on him and his greatness and his glorious power. And we won't be worrying about our struggles and our problems. We'll be focusing on how he is so much bigger and greater than all of our issues here in this life. And then, even if the situations don't change... You can still have hope and joy and peace because you know it's safe to trust in the Lord. But I got to say, when you read Scripture, all throughout the Scripture, God never left or forsake. He didn't ever forsake his people. He stayed with them. He provided for them. He took care of them. Uh, you, could, you could pick any biblical character and, and look and you'll see that God was faithful. He didn't just leave them alone to figure it out. He was faithful. The children of Israel, you know, I mean, all throughout the desert, wandering around. I mean, he took care of them. He gave them food and water. Their sandals didn't even wear out on their feet. Forty years tromping around, and they, they still had good tread. I mean, that's pretty amazing. The Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, threw them in the fiery furnace. Didn't even smell like smoke when they came out. God is faithful. We just have to learn to see him as he is. See him as faithful. To see him as great and glorious. See him like Isaiah saw him. I saw the Lord. Man, he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and there was smoke and the place was shaking and everything was going on and I saw God's greatness. When you see that, when you experience that, you won't ever be the same. You'll never doubt again because once you've seen God in his greatness, you won't worry about him being able to take care of you. Now, if I tell you I'm going to take care of you, you might want to worry. But if God says he's going to take care of you, you can trust in that. Amen. And he might, not, he might not do it exactly the way you're thinking, but he will never leave you or forsake you. Hope will not allow you to be ashamed or disappointed. Hope in him won't disappoint you. Now, if you hope in me or you hope in your husband or wife or a friend or neighbor or boss or your bank account, I mean, if you hope in those things, you might be disappointed at some point. But when your hope is fixed in Jesus, you will not be disappointed. 
The main thoughts that I want to talk about are faithfulness. In verse 2, verse 7, verse 23, Paul said, When I saw your, the faithfulness of Epaphras and, and you guys, he said, I, Man, I started praying for y'all every day. And it's interesting because faithfulness produces faithfulness. It's kind of contagious. It's like joy. And it's like, it's like laughter. And you know, when you laugh, people around you will laugh. Well, sometimes when I'm, I'm the only one laughing, my wife tells me, when you're the only one laughing, it's probably not appropriate or funny. But, but when I laugh, you know, most of the time people around me laugh. And when you're joyful and happy, people around you get joyful and happy. When you're walking in peace and joy, people around you feel that way. When you're faithful, people around you say, man, they are so faithful. They just are always doing their job. I want to be more, I want to be more like that. Faithfulness increases faithfulness. And then Paul goes on down towards the end of the chapter and he says, if you continue in the faith, steadfast, unmovable, grounded. He said, good things are going to happen. But if you don't stay faithful, then the opposite is going to be true. You're going to begin to lose ground. You're going to begin to slip. You're going to begin to have problems. Our faithfulness doesn't earn anything with God, but that, that is key to everything that we do. If you want to grow in the Lord, it requires faithfulness. That's that's what scripture said, right? It's required of stewards that they be found faithful. If you want to be responsible for things in God's kingdom, then you need to show yourself faithful in the things that he's given you to do. And unfortunately, just like working down at the local hardware store or anywhere else, you know, your first job is not going to be a manager. Your first job is going to be sweeping the floors or washing dishes or carrying out trash or, you know, run into the mail room for the big bosses. You know, you don't start out at the top. You just don't. And in God's kingdom, it's not any different. He's not going to put a novice in a, in a place of great responsibility. As you show yourself faithful in the things that he's given you to do, then he will begin to trust you and entrust you with more and more and more. And you're not earning it, but if you're not faithful, then nobody's going to be able to trust you. You know, people in this life won't trust you if you're not faithful. And, uh, and the Lord is not going to entrust you with things because it will hurt other people if he entrusts you and you're not faithful. And he doesn't want people to be hurt. He wants to take care of people. So, if, um, if you have a job and you're supposed to show up at 8 o'clock and you tell the boss, yep, I'll be there at 8 o'clock and you don't show up, <coughs> next day, you know, he's going to remind you again, and I'm here to tell you, most people, after you don't show up a few days in a row, they're just going to fire you. Uh, in the church world, we really don't go around firing volunteers much, but, <clears throat> but you know, there have been a few times where it's like, wow, I've got to do something here because, you know, these people are just, you know, I, I can't count on them. And it's not, that, it's not that it's really a problem other than you, you're not doing your part and something is being undone. And if you're not going to do it, then we need to find somebody else that will do it. And now I'm, just, I'm just using that as an example. You guys are really good. i I got to say, whether it was before I was the pastor or now, it is so wonderful and refreshing to be able to just show up on Sunday morning and prepare and preach. 
I don't have to worry about, you know, counting the offering. I don't have to worry about taking out the trash. I don't have to worry about preparing all this stuff. I don't have to worry about the soundboard. You know, I just show up and do what I'm supposed to do. And everybody else does what they do. That's the way it's supposed to work. Everybody has a job and everybody does that job. And when you're faithful, if you have a, if you have a heart that you want to do more, if you're faithful in things that you're doing now, God will, God will work that out. But you've got to start somewhere. You don't start out as being the CEO. You start out as being the floor sweeper or the trash taker out or the mail deliverer or something. In my world, I was, my dad was a concrete contractor. So I started out, you know, fetching tools from the truck when I was about eight or nine years old and fetching water. You know, he'd be saying, hey, give me a drink of water. I'd get him a drink of water. He'd, go get me another one you know? and I, I was just running around getting stuff that's what I did and as I got older it was digging you know it was digging and, and doing grunt labor but eventually I had my own business but I didn't start out as a business owner I didn't know how to do any of that stuff you have to learn it's a process you have to show yourself faithful and that's one of the things that I'm so appreciative of my dad he taught me how to work taught me how to work and he taught me how to, to work smart, not dumb. But we did a lot of physical labor. But he, I mean, his attitude was always just, look, when you're working with somebody, they're paying you, do what they want. They're paying for your time. And if you work hard one day, work easy the next, it doesn't matter. They're paying you, do what they want. And I've tried to instill that in my children and grandchildren. I had them out yesterday, grandkids, and... When they came, I said, what have y'all been doing? They said, oh, just kind of take it in. I said, good, you rested up for poppy. I'm going to work the snot out of you today. <laughs> it really wasn't that bad. But I got to say, they went to sleep last night pretty good. Um, so it must have made an impression on them. But uh, being faithful, it's really important. In the spiritual world and in your everyday life, I mean, you want to be faithful. You want people to be able to trust you. And your word really is important. You give someone your word, that ought to mean something. It's not really all that great when somebody gives you their promise and, and in, the, in your mind you're thinking, well, we'll see how that works out. Because in the past, they've not always done what they said. And I, I know you know people like that. We've all experienced it. Um, anyway, be faithful. And God will, will reward that with blessing you and taking care of you. And he will also promote you along in the kingdom. The other word, of our main thought is the inheritance. In this whole chapter, really, it's, it's relevant in that sense because God has given us an inheritance in him. But we are his inheritance as well. So it's kind of a, it's like either way you look at it. Inheritance is kind of a big word. So God looks at us and he says, out of, out of all the people on the earth, my people, I've chosen you and I've made you my inheritance. I've given everything I have to you. The kingdom is yours. That's a pretty good inheritance. And then, and then to make it even better, God turns around and says, yeah, but I'm taking you as my inheritance. I get so much joy out of knowing that you're my children that I'm, I am just pleased that we are in this relationship. Inheritance is a big deal. It's our portion. 
our portion in him, and it's his portion in us. We are, we are the Lord's portion, and he is our portion. So when we choose him, he says, you have me, but I've got you too. So it's a, it's a, it's a two-way deal. It works both ways. Inheritance is, uh, it is a huge thing to understand all the things that God has promised. They are yes and amen to those of us who believe. They're not just for certain ones. They're not just for the TV evangelists or they're the world famous preachers or whatever. They're for anybody who knows Jesus. The promises are yes and amen to all of us. And then the other main thought is that the preeminence of Christ. In verse 15 through 22, I want to read that right quick. Um, I can pull it up here. <clears throat> I didn't do this like I normally do, so uh, bear with me momentarily. I usually have all this stuff copied right into my notes, but I didn't. Okay, so the preeminence of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him... All things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach, in his sight. That's the preeminence of Christ. That's who he is. That's what he's done. That's how we need to see him. If we see him that way, there's not anything that this life can throw at you that's going to overwhelm you. When you know that God is above all things, he created all things, he did all those things, and he didn't just do it, but he did it for you. When you realize that, you can look at all these life circumstances and say, nah, no big deal. God's got this. He's going to carry me through. I'm going to make it. Read the end. I know how it ends. We're going to be victorious. If we see him as he is, changes everything about the way we live our lives. The life applications are the body. And we've talked about that this morning. We sang about it. We are his body. He is the head of the body. He is overall. So the body... The body doesn't do too well if the head is not communicating with it. If your head gets lopped off, your body is not going to be very functional. And that's the way it is sometimes in the body of Christ, I think, is that the body is just out there doing its own thing like a chicken with his head chopped off. I knew somebody was thinking about that. It's kind of gross, but, you know, I mean, they flop and kick. And, I mean, they even jump up and run sometimes. You know, I mean, it, it's weird. But without the head, the body doesn't know what it's doing. And if the body doesn't obey the head, then it's going to get into trouble. You know, the head is saying, watch out, 
there's a bump right here, and you just ignore that, you know, oh, well, I got it. The body. That's, that's huge to understand that we're part of this thing, but Jesus is the head. I'm not the head. I'm just part of the body. Now, hopefully, I am hearing, you know, and following the head, just like you're supposed to be. And that's the amazing thing about it. When we're all in tune with the head, then the body flows and functions normally. So when I show up on Sunday morning, I've got some scriptures prepared. I've got some things that I want to talk about. We go in the prayer room and lo and behold, someone else comes in there and starts reading some of those very same scriptures, talk, talking about the same thing. We come up here to the worship team, sing songs that are the same themes and same words. And it's like, wow, God is orchestrating all of this. It's because Jesus is the head. And we are the body. And we're just doing what the head is telling us to do. When we flow that way, everything works like it's supposed to. And Paul also, he talks about giving thanks and praying. And that's important because, you know, we need to be thankful. Not only for what God has done, but thankful for other people. What we see God doing in their lives. And we need to be praying for one another. Praying that people would get saved. Praying for the people who are saved that they would grow and they would mature. That's what Paul prayed. He said, I'm praying for you all the time that, that the, the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord would be poured out in your life so that you'd grow and you'd be more mature. That's all part of this equation. We as the body, we're supposed to be being thankful and praying for one another all the time. Paul said, I pray always for you. I'm always giving thanks for you. That's a pretty tall order, but we can make an effort. The other thing he talked about was fruitfulness. And he only, he only talked about it in one verse, but, he, but it's related to everything he was saying in this chapter. When we do the things that he's called us to do, when we do the things that Paul was praying over the Colossians, saying, I'm praying for the knowledge and wisdom and the understanding of the Lord to come, that you be filled with all the fullness of God, that you begin to see him as he is and do these things, then you'll be fruitful. You won't be lacking in any good work. You'll be pleasing the Lord because you'll be doing the things that please Him. And you'll be fruitful. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll not only bring forth fruit, but it'll be fruit that remains. It's not going to be fruit that just pops up one day and it's rotten and gone. It's going to be fruit that remains. Well, that's, the way, that's the way it works in the body. As we love one another, as we share encouraging words with one another as we pray for one another. We see fruit that remains. You see people healed. You see people changed. You see people encouraged. And they come back later and it's like, man, you know, I'm doing really good now because of, of, of that word you share with me or because of that scripture you gave me or because of that teaching you did. Or, or man, when we prayed the other day, God really did something in me. That's fruit that remains. You guys are the fruit. And you remain. You don't just... Here today and gone tomorrow. Fruit that remains. Stewardship and suffering. And the stewardship and suffering is that when we begin to do the things that God has called us to do, when we become faithful in those things, we become stewards. That means we're overseers of something in the kingdom. When we do that, then the Lord will do His part and we'll begin to see things happen. But there also, there may be a little suffering along the way. We're not exempt from the possibility of suffering. 
Jesus didn't say, if you, if you give your life to me, I'm going to make it perfect and pain-free. He said, I'm going to be with you and I'll never leave you and forsake you. And I'll give you my grace so that you can overcome and you can do all the things that you need to do. So if Jesus suffered, he said, you know, if they came after me, they're going to come after you too. And we may be entering into a time here in our country now where we've seen, we see some things like we've never seen before. And God's grace is going to be sufficient. It's going to carry us through. And it may, be, it may be shocking. It may be different. It may be unexpected. It may be unpleasant and painful. But that's one thing you can count on, that God's grace will carry you through. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to leave us as orphans. He's not going to leave us helpless and defenseless. That doesn't mean that he's going to take away the suffering necessarily. It just means he's going to help you walk through it. When David, in the 23rd Psalm, he didn't say, God, deliver me from the valley of shadow of death. He said he walked through it with me. Sometimes we have to go through the valleys. Sometimes we have to go through the difficult times. We don't get spared. Jesus didn't get spared. I mean, he was rejected. He was, uh, he was lied about. He was betrayed. He was, you know, treated badly. And he was humiliated, beaten, and killed. And if he experienced all that, and he said, you're my followers, and you better be prepared for some of that same stuff, it could happen to you. And so I'm, I'm not trying to get you get you all worked up. I'm just saying, don't be afraid of that because he's going to be with us and he's going to help us through it. Just like he was, God was with Jesus. He didn't leave him in the grave. He brought him out alive, victorious. And we are going to be victorious as well. Worship team, y'all can come back and I want to finish up with this last deal about the revelation of Christ. It is who he is. Now all these other things I've talked about this morning, just wrap it up in that. It's the revelation of who Jesus is. When you get a hold of that, the thing that was hidden for the ages, hidden from all generations in the past, but now he's made it known. He's revealed those hidden things to us, the mystery of the kingdom. The revelation of who Jesus is. When we get a hold of that revelation of who he is, all these other things, they just they fit right into place and you begin to realize, you know, our struggles are not that big. They're not that much of a problem. They're certainly not a problem for God. He is over all those things. It's all about perspective. If your perspective is focused on the right here and now, you're going to be overwhelmed. If your perspective is focused on the greatness of our God and the eternal glory that's awaiting us, nothing is going to overwhelm you in this life. That doesn't mean you might not have some days where you've got real struggles and issues. But overall, you will know that God's got it under control. Amen. And when you know that, you can walk in victory. You can walk in peace. You can walk in joy and hope. And you can walk in love because it's been shed abroad in your hearts. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and worship. Just 
So if you need a special prayer for anything this morning, someone will meet you at the altar. If you don't know Jesus, today can be the day. Maybe all this talk I've done this morning, you're wondering, what in the world is that nut talking about? Might not make any sense to you at all, but if you're, the Lord is speaking to you, the Lord is challenging you, maybe this is the day that you need to say, here I am. I come just like I am. That's what God asks us to do. He doesn't ask us to clean ourselves up. He doesn't ask us to, to do anything except just come and give ourselves to Him. He'll take care of the rest. Now, if you want to know Jesus, just a simple prayer. Lord, I confess. I'm a sinner and I need you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Live in my heart and be my Lord and Savior. If you pray that prayer, you're born again. Your name is written in the book of life. If you did that, let us know. If you need prayer for anything else, as we're, as we're singing this final song, you can come to the altar and meet and stand here. Somebody will meet you and pray with you. Let God answer your prayer today. Don't go out of here thinking, I wish I would have gotten prayer. If you're thinking about it, just come. Come and let God hear your, require, your request and make it, make it known to Him so He can heal you. Thank you that your grace abounds to us today, Lord. We receive that. We choose.
to walk in your grace. We choose to allow you to have free access into our lives, Lord, to bring healing, health, and wholeness. Pour your spirit out, your goodness, Lord, your glory be poured out in our lives. And I proclaim that now over this body. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Go in Jesus' name. Be blessed. We've got activities Wednesday night. Next Sunday, we've got a special time with uh, Living Logos. Bring a friend. It'll be a, it'll be a great time in the Lord. God bless you and have a great week. Amen. Amen.